So much of business tends to be thinking about the next thing, thinking about the next thing, thinking about the next thing. And if you can be right here, present with your team members, present with whatever email you're working on or whatever you're doing in your business. If you can be fully, fully present with that, it's incredible the amount of joy you can experience. Are you ready to master your mindset and your business? Join thousands of women each week who use this podcast as a tool to create financial and emotional wealth. And when you're ready to scale to the next level, visit theunstoppablewoman.com slash go. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Unstoppable Woman podcast. I'm Amira Alvarez. I am the founder and CEO of the Unstoppable Woman. And today we are speaking to Josephine Atlery. She is a certified life and mindfulness coach helping thousands overcome adversity to find joy. I love that speaking my language there. She's a (laughs) University of Chicago graduate. So she's a smarty pants. We love that. And she has a passion for wellness that has led to a certification in meditation. So we're going to talk about meditation as well today, because that's a, a deep love for me. And what I really am interested in Uh, digging into with Josephine is that her path to parenthood was via IVF adoption and surrogacy resulting in, wait for it, wait for it, seven kids. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So she is an in-demand fertility, pregnancy, and parenting mindfulness coach. And that is like huge. So we're going to talk all about that and her journey to parenthood and to stepping into more mindfulness. So welcome to the show, Josephine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for our conversation today. Okay, so let's just go there. Like, tell me about your story, your fertility story, your pregnancy story. Like, let's go. Feels like ages ago, but um, we knew we had to go straight into IVF because of a previous medical issue for my um, for our family. And so, you know, we were fortunate in that regard that we knew that was our path. And um, we went straight into IVF. And like many of the people that I work with and colleagues of mine, I went into it very naively thinking that, okay, well, we're going through using science. This is going to work right away. And it didn't. Uh, we went through many rounds of IVF without success. We moved on to a new uh, fertility doctor and um, facility. We did get pregnant with twins only to lose them in the second trimester. And it was at that point mm. that I was really given this moment to pause physically and mentally and reevaluate our circumstances and realize that it was a hard decision, but that I couldn't go through it anymore, at least at that time. So we pivoted to what was always in our back pocket, which was international adoption. And we began that process and were able to bring home our firstborn son about a year or so. It was pretty fast, actually, about a year afterwards. And we finally became parents. It was amazing. And it was that amount of time that I needed to just reset. I talk about that a lot as a mindfulness coach, that I gained the energy to try IVF one more time. We went to a third facility and we did that out of state and it resulted in a pregnancy of twins again. You know, it was a very difficult pregnancy, uh, but we did deliver them. They were healthy and uh, they were my first set of twins. And because of that process, we, you know, were able to uh, freeze a number of embryos, actually a lot of embryos. And um, after that pregnancy, I knew that I couldn't carry again. So mentally, mainly. And um, so many years later, we revisited the idea of surrogacy. It wasn't really in the cards at the beginning because it's really expensive. And um, we weren't sure that that was what we wanted to do. But we proceeded with it and we welcomed two boys, another set, our second set of twins, with the help of this amazing surrogate who is still in our lives. And then um, with our very last set of frozen embryos, we decided to give them a shot. And lo and behold, we have another, our third set of twins, two girls who are now two uh, with a different surrogate. And that's how we created our modern day family of seven kiddos. That's amazing. Okay. I have so many questions for you. So let me get this straight. You have 
one for your firstborn is adopted from from where where did from you die? Kazakhstan Kazakhstan fantastic I love it and then you had twins that you carried yourself through yes. IVF and then you had two sets of twins through two different surrogates is that correct, correct? yes Okay. And the surrogate, forgive my ignorance, but the surrogate process is that they use your, your embryos, but they're implanted in their body. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. So the gestational carrier is done that way. I mean, there's a, a different way where you can also use their um, genetic material, but this was ours. That was frozen. Got it. I love it. So uh -huh. fascinating. Okay. Let's go back to the beginning and let's talk about the first time you were trying and it wasn't working, what was your emotional reaction to that? What was coming up for you and how, how did you respond to it at that time? If you could go back, not from the place you are now, I'm the super mindful mindfulness coach, but like, what was your response or your reaction when you were actually going through this initially? Yeah, no, that's a, a wonderful question. And um, I really could have used, I always say this now, I really could have used the work that I do with mindfulness and fertility mindfulness back then because I was just a mess. You know, I, um, like I said, I went into, into it naively and you start to blame yourself and doubt yourself and question everything that you're doing. Like, what am I doing wrong that's making this fail? Um, and then that word failure is there that the, you know, the, um, the cycle failed. And by definition, since it's your body, you're the failure. So I was a mess. It really was very hard to grapple with. So what I hear there is a lot of self-blame. Mm -hmm. A lot of black and white thinking, like it's either working, not working, it's either success or failure. And I just want to bridge this, this as an analogy to even if you're never, you've never been someone who's wanted to get pregnant or you've never had fertility issues, then in business, we have goals, we have uh, drivers, we have things that we want very, very badly, big desires that are in many ways, our business is our baby, right? We are birthing this. And when we aren't able to achieve that success, I, I, I coach many women on how to move through that black and white thinking that keeps us in either or success, failure, might as well throw in the towel. You know, it's, it's only great or only like falling apart. What's, how did you get from there to the middle way? where you can see, you know, okay, I could look at this as completely falling apart, or I could look at this as an opportunity for myself to grow and learn and do things. How did you make that transition for yourself? Yeah. So one of the things that I like to always infuse in, in my coaching and my work with people is the power of the pause. And like I mentioned before, I was kind of forced into a pause after that second trimester loss of twins, where I had to reevaluate what our next steps would be. I didn't want to. A lot of times when you're, even with a business, you know, um, but especially with infertility, the clock is ticking, right? And it, you just don't feel like you have a moment to stop because you'll be missing out. A lot of this, again, goes back to like, if you're owning your own business if, and, you know, with work, but at that moment, I had to pause. And it gave me the moment to really just look deep within. We hardly ever just sit with ourselves to question, okay, this is what I wanted before, but what do I want now after I went through all of these things? like what has changed in my environment, my landscape that can change now, like what I see for myself. Do I still want to be a mom? Do I want to do it in a different way? You know, we ha walk around with blinders because we're so focused on achieving these goals that it can be hard to like just take that moment to see and evaluate with clarity uh, and with focus what else could be a possibility. And so for me, that moment with, um, even before that, when I had to switch infertility facilities, like I was so dead set on this first one. And then the idea of switching and doing something else and going with a different doctor felt like I was going to stop and lose time, all that time that I had, we'd been working on it to start yeah. over. But it was, you know, it was the right decision because it wasn't working. And, and then when we decided with adoption, you know, it was had to be, you have to be really honest with yourself when you're making these decisions, whether it's dealing with a family or your business, is that 
like what what can I handle? Like, what do I really want? Who is it that I want to be? All of the choices that we make inform, you know, um, these future, like our future paths. And so that's really what did it for me was being able to utilize the power of the pause. Yeah. So let's dig in there. So the power of the pause could look differently to different people. And I'm sure it looks differently to you in different scenarios. So can you paint us a picture of what the power of the pause looks like, like on a daily basis, like what you do. So I'm going to back up one moment. You have seven kids. Okay. This is like, most people are like splayed out with one or two. So you have seven kids and you seem like you're navigating that pretty well. I'm sure there's some ups and downs and all of that, but there's gotta be something that you're doing in this, and I have a feeling it has to do with the power of the pause that you bring in throughout the day that allows you to respond rather than react and and to to navigate what is a handful of of kids. Great question. And so, you know, starting from the very beginning of my day, rather than like rushing over to my cell phone, I just try and think. I mean, it even starts the night before where I go over what's going to happen that next day. It gives me comfort and helps me sort of organize what I am to expect. And so I just review that again in my mind, like, okay, these are the first things that have to happen in this moment. I give myself a moment to like breathe, set an intention, do an affirmation. Like many people that I coach, you know, I tell them that uh, to find those silent moments for themselves, that's realistic, not ones that you're trying to sort of fit into this box because then that won't, you can't, that's not sustainable, right? So I know for myself with the seven kids that getting up early to do my meditation and all this stuff before and it's just not realistic. Like I have to do it in a different way and at different times. So that just that moment to take a few minutes to reflect and really set my intention for the day helps me like those first few hours of the day. Yeah, and then I love that. Let's yeah. pause there for a second. Cause I think this is a big one. A, a lot of people have a really you know, I happen to be a morning person and I happen to love my spaciousness in the morning. And that's where I have a lot of me time, creation time, pausing time, meditation time, all of that. But one of the things I teach is this idea of finding your daily rhythm. What is your daily rhythm? And then what is your weekly rhythm? And 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 what does that look like over the month also? Because we're not the same, especially as women. We're not the same every single day, every single week. It, there, there is an ebb and flow and there's there's change that happens that we need to be adaptable to. So that said, I know that when people hear me say, I'm a morning person and I carve out three hours for myself every morning to do my my work. Okay. Now I get up at 4.30 or 5.30. So this is pretty early times, but that I, I have that a lot of people aren't morning people or they have kids or there's something that's keeping them from doing that. And then they can go into that, uh, shame around not being able to execute on this. So when do you fit in your meditation? Let's give people an alternative view so it, it it doesn't have to be first thing in the morning. So during the school year, it's usually after drop off. I'm usually dropping off someone. And at that moment, I, I get to breathe, right? I have to be like, okay, now this new part of the day is starting. And I want to start that day off after all of the craziness from before, really in a very calm and focused state and doing that meditation typically in my used to be a minivan and my minivan is where I would do it because, you know, I'm trying to maximize on time and, and I would just meditate there. And then from there, I'm able to start my part of the day, which involves, you know, my work and then also like my wellness in terms of working out and all of that um, before the next phase of the day, which is when I transition over back to like mom duties and picking up the kids. And so that for me has always worked. And then if it, for some reason, there is something that happens because another thing that is important with all of this work is flexibility. Uh, if that just doesn't pan out for me, I always have the end of the night. I mean, I'm an evening person, but you know, it's a great way to sort of 
ease into sleep, especially if you have problems with sleep, um, because you're able to just sort of slow down and settle and review your day, infuse with gratitude, set an intention for your next day, review your affirmations. So it's also like there's no right part of the time for yourself to take care of yourself as long as you can squeeze it in somehow. I think skipping out on it would be the tough part. What's really essential is being realistic, knowing yourself, knowing your schedule, and it changes all the time, and then working with that. And that requires a lot of flexibility, but also grace for yourself. Yeah. Grace is huge. Grace is huge. What I love about what you said was you normally would do it in the minivan, which I freaking love because that's like a complete make it work moment, right? Like you're like, it doesn't have to look like a Gaim yoga commercial, right? You don't have to be in the perfect, you know, meditation room doing the, doing it perfectly. What I love with this is that like, for me, if I'm traveling someplace, if I'm flying for a business event or something, I'm, I will meditate on the airplane. I will sit in the airport and I will close my eyes or meditate with my eyes open, which has been a beautiful experience to learn how to just drop in with the chaos around me. That has been a pretty powerful thing. The other thing that I, I want to underscore in what you said is that flexibility and the grace. Because there are times where I don't get my power of the pause, the moment in the morning, or it's it's shortchanged. It's 15 minutes, not an hour or something like that. And I will, th- there's both a wanting to rush past it and like, just ignore that. Okay. I'll do it tomorrow. Right. Like there's that, I have that part of me that speaks quite loudly often, but then there's another part of me that craves it. The more I've done the meditation in my life, the more I crave it. And I like my body will be like, let's go back and meditate. Right. And in the evening and to have that flexibility is really beautiful. One last thing on meditation and fitting it in for, for people who need ideas is that I used to meditate in the morning and I used to use that it as a transition from my work day to my evening. And that was great. And sometimes I would just do that transition from the workday to the evening because as a, you know, as CEO, like I'm juggling all, all the things, all of us are juggling a lot of things, not just someone who's the, the, the CEO of a business, but that's our audience. So, you know, you're juggling lots of things. You're in decision mode. You're in your masculine. You're very driven. You're very focused. You're very determined. You're in persistence. You're, you're going and, you know, action, 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 action. And how do you transition into, for instance, if you're mom, like nurture mode or being with your partner or just being more uh, receptive, I needed a transition period. And that was really useful to me. Now, ideally, I would like to have my my flow in the day, not just being like, ah, oh, now I have to transition. Um, and you know, there's there's days where that happens beautifully, and there's days where I really need that transition. So you fit your meditation in, and then how else do you fit mindfulness in to your your business life and your your parenting life? That's another key part of it. A lot of people think that in order to be able to utilize this, it always means meditation. But I'm a big proponent of just infusing your day with mindfulness. And that really helps to inform how you proceed through the rest of your day, your week, your life. So an example of that would be then, you know, if you're taking a moment to like do a walk, like before on your way to work, let's say you're you're moving from your car to your office, you can really maximize that time by not looking at your phone, not thinking about what you're going to, you already know what you're going to, right? So you're taking in everything around you, like taking in deep breaths of air because you're outside walking to where you'll be inside. 
feeling the sun on your face, like just being aware of your environment helps you. That's a form of mindfulness. Really, mindfulness is not some big thing. It's just really an awareness of yourself, of your environment, your emotions. And if you start to just tune into this awareness in everyday things, it just starts to build up. And you are able then to infuse that into your work, into your relationships, into knowing yourself, because now you're really tuning in and you've, you're practicing it, right? We're just building these connections, these neural connections in our mind. The more we practice it, the stronger it becomes. And it's just little things like that throughout the day. So I always look for these opportunities to be able to do that. Like with parenting then, it will be a moment where I'm just observing my kids or I'm not um, listening to them while looking at my phone or multitasking. It's actually just listening to them. One of my favorites is watching because I have kids from ages two to 16. So for like the little ones, it's more just watching their joy and their wonder. It's just so addictive for me because we don't do that for ourselves anymore. And then with the older ones, awareness for me and mindfulness with them would be something like I mentioned just now in terms of like actually actively listening to them and being aware of what's really happening in this conversation. And like all of this is just overlaps with the different layers of our lives. Like all these things we can do in business meetings that we can do at home, that we can do with our partners, with everything. So that's why it's really important to infuse that mindfulness on a daily basis or that awareness. Yeah, no, I love that. So you're really using mindfulness as a, it, correct me if I'm wrong here, as a way to be present in the moment, not be in the future, not be in the past, but be right here in this moment, experiencing this one moment that will never be again, right? It's, it's this one moment. And the thing that comes for me when I am fully present is this incredible joy. It like, it opens my heart. And I actually kind of a little bit of a litmus test for me. Like I know when I'm not fully present, kind of half-assing the presence, when I'm not in that like open-hearted joy. And I, and uh, so much of business tends to be thinking about the next thing, thinking about the next thing, thinking about the next thing. And if you can be right here, present with your team members, right here, present with whatever email you're working on or, you know, whatever you're doing in your business, if you can be fully, fully present with that, it's incredible the amount of joy you can experience. And yet for me, my experience with that was that it was something that I did not really have an experience of before I started to do it. And it was almost like I had to build my capacity for it. Like it was almost like that, that open hearted uh, joy was almost more than I could handle. Have you had that experience where it's like, oh, I have to build my capacity for this? Absolutely. And I mean, you're talking about it that the, you started to notice when you weren't present. But the beauty of this is that when you start to practice these little moments, then you it's almost like cyclical, then it starts to grow your ability to do so. And then you start noticing when you're not doing it. And when you're feeling a certain way, so that then you can act upon it and be present in that moment. So just the more like with anything, a language, a, a sport, the more you practice it, the greater ability you have to act upon it. Totally. This morning, I went out on this beautiful walk with my man by a lake. We drove to this lake and like, this is great. But before I went, I checked in to see if a few things had happened. And then I was like hooked into business mode. And even though I had taken care of it before I went on this walk, I could feel myself going to the future, going like, like there was this little hook to the future. Do you have any tips? And though the walk was beautiful and I enjoyed my time and I was holding hands and it was lovely and great. Like I also could feel myself a little bit off, like that presence, that mindfulness, that open-heartedness. When you find yourself in that place, aside from just 
saying, okay, back to the present. Maybe that's, maybe that's the, the, the tip. Maybe that's the, the one strategy is, but are there other strategies that you use? You know, I'm a big proponent of self-talk that has uh, really gotten me far with many um, issues that I've experienced in the past. So for example, if that were me in that moment, I totally get it. I can, completely relate. You know, it's just consuming your mind. Um, you bring it with you, even though you have this great intention of doing something that's with nature, that's very grounding and all this stuff. So for me and for many clients that I've worked with, I'll tell them to speak to themselves. Just take a moment to remind yourself that, okay, that I did all that stuff, but right now I'm here right now with this person. I'm here right now to enjoy X, Y, Z. I can get all get back to all of that once I'm done. But this moment is fleeting. This moment is here for me, for me to take care of myself. It's just like this long sort of conversation that you're just having internally. And every time you start to be aware, right, that your mind is reverting back to a distraction, business, whatever it was, you just remind yourself quickly again, I can deal with that later. Another thing that you can do to really sort of emphasize it is to take some deep breaths or um, really that's like a pattern interrupt that's what you're trying to do right yes your mind's racing and telling you all these things that you have to do so you want to try and do an interruption so one of that was self-talk another one could be introducing some deep breaths to really just like help you feel calm because that is already telling your mind that you know you're not in this like frantic state you're really calming yourself down and you're in a calm state so you can relax more the other thing is like if you're more receptive to physical touch or things like that, you can ground yourself in the ground. Like if, in your case, you're going out for a walk. So just standing there and like, you don't have to take off your shoes. I mean, it helps, but just like spreading out your toes and really feeling yourself firmly planted into the earth, making that connection, reminding yourself that this is what I'm here for. The earth is supporting me, that I don't have to be racing off to this, this, and this, that I'm firmly planted here in this moment. One other tip that I can offer you if like all of those things don't feel right. Like you really need to have a toolkit of, of things in your back pocket that you try because something might work today, might not work tomorrow. We're all different. We wake up different. Every moment is different. So, so you just need like a toolkit of different things to try. But one last thing that I would recommend is to tune into like your senses. So if I find I'm getting distracted and I need that pattern interrupt, I will ask myself, okay, what are like five things that I can see right now? And these are all things that you can do while, while you're still walking or right before you're walking. Your partner doesn't even need to know that all of this is happening. You're just doing it. It takes a matter of like under a minute, right? And you're grounding yourself. You're getting present. So it'd be like, what are five things I can see? What are four things that I can smell? What are three things that I can touch? You know, just going down that list of your senses down to one. And at that point, the, the idea is that you're rooted now into the present because you're witnessing everything that's around you. And that can help you really then like transition into what it is that you're actually there to do. Mm, I love those. Those are great tips. I want to, I want to go back to one of them breathing. This is like, I feel like there's so many breath techniques out there that are really fascinating, interesting, useful. Uh, I've tried a number of them. I have my, my favorite. Do you have a favorite uh, breathing technique or do you just take the classic, you know, when, when I was young, it was 10 deep breaths, right? But like, or three deep breaths, depending on who you were. But do you have a, a, a breathing practice that you like? My favorite, you know, I, there's, there's like breathing where you're just breathing and then there's like breath work, which is different where you're doing fast breath, which I actually also teach. But in terms of what we're talking about here, these are just breathing techniques that are allowing you to um, ignite your parasympathetic nervous system, right? And so my favorite one to answer your question would be the extended exhale where you're breathing in maybe for, you can count it. So like you're taking a deep breath in for four seconds and you're exhaling for eight. And the reason why I love that is because when I'm exhaling, I'm pairing out, I'm pairing it with that I'm releasing all of the things 
that no longer serve me. All of the things that are weighing me down or like causing me to have all this brain fog and taking up mental space that I don't need. I just need this moment and I need to give my pers- myself permission to let it go. And so that's why that one's my favorite, mm, the ex- extended it. exhale. Okay. I love it. I love it. Let's go back to that idea of grace and giving yourself grace. So I think this one is such an important one, but I, I, and I'd love your perspective on this. And I want to frame it up in terms of achievement, goal achievement, things we're doing in our business and our life. Oftentimes we set an intention, set a goal, set something that we want to achieve, even if it's your to-do list for the day. It could be the mundane. It could be a, a big thing. And sometimes we don't get it done it do- or it doesn't happen the way we had conceived of it happening. And the way I want to ask you this question around grace is how do you personally discern whether now is a time to give yourself understanding, kindness, grace for not achieving that? Or when is it a time for you to say, actually, you could have done better here and this is what you need to do to get there? I don't believe that there's ever a time to beat yourself up. But when is it the time to hold yourself to a higher standard? And when is it a time to just let that go? And what does grace look like for you in both of those scenarios? Because I think you can have grace in both of those scenarios. Yeah, that's what I was going to respond with is that I don't believe it's an either or situation. I think they go hand in hand. Um, And so, you know, when you're evaluating a situation that requires feedback of yourself um, or maybe that you're getting from other people, you are receptive to it, but always with this foundation and this and that requires awareness in that moment. Right. So having that foundational awareness that everything comes with grace, everything that you're receiving, everything that you are conjuring up in your mind for yourself is underlaid with this idea of grace. So, you know, because if we're trying to move from a place of like place A to place B, and in terms of reaching our goal or whatever it is that we're trying to achieve or have an intention to do so, there always has to be these steps for improvement. And, um, you know, not to beat ourselves up about it, but to realize, okay, well, these are the things that we can improve upon. And it's always really important to pick the correct language, right? To phrase it and spin it in a lens of of like positivity and um, self-compassion and self-love versus like, oh, you did this wrong or just thinking about like, okay, well, next time, you know, this happened so we can do this other step. And so with that, they're going hand in hand. There's not an either or situation in that in that scenario. But an example of that for me would just be like, if you think about um, like, you know, running my own business or even with infertility, it's that, you know, we had to change course, but in that moment I need to, I needed to like, especially with the adoption, I needed to remind myself that I am worthy of, of being a mother. I know that I will be a good mother, but these are the options And these are the things that we've already done in the past. So let's try a new perspective. Let's try a different course of action to achieve what it is that we ultimately wanted, which was to become parents. And that translates into your own business. Um, But in that moment, yes, you could have gone the, the path of sort of these criticisms of yourself, which, as I mentioned before, I definitely did before that. When you're doing that, it removes a lot of power and strength from yourself yeah. to do these these new steps of improvement. Yeah. And we only receive what we believe we're worthy of receiving. Mm-hmm. So if you if you are undermining yourself, if you're beating yourself up, saying, you know, you've messed up and shame, 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 shame in yourself, you're undermining that that self-worth and then 
it negates exactly what you are desiring to receive. So what I heard in there was like that grace has to do with also really allowing yourself to be worthy of that which you're wishing for, right? That yeah. 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 And and to me grace, I mean there's a a somewhat pets saying of we are humans having a spiritual experience or spiritual beings having a human experience and like we're both right and this is like this little pithy saying and yet when you are fully living a life of grace and when you're in that present moment you feel it even it feels like you are divine it feels spiritual it feels like you are actually a spiritual being having a human experience and so i i think that is one of the powers of mindfulness presence uh, grace, um, allowing self-worth, you know, you need to be worthy of, of a divine experience. There's a, there's a quote from A Course in Miracles. And I, I, this is very much paraphrased. Do not, do not think that this is a direct quote. This is very much paraphrased, but it something along the lines of nothing unworthy of God is worthy of you. Okay. And like, can you build your self-worth up like that to me, like that to, to the level of divinity, right? That to me is divine grace. And, and if you're not someone who believes in God and I don't have a one, you know, I have a spiritual sense of what God is for anyone listening, not a religious sense of what God is, but whatever your understanding of that infinite power, like nothing nothing that is unworthy of that is worthy of you like like you get to be worthy of that and i feel like when we give ourselves that sense of self-worth we give ourselves a level of grace that is just so incredibly powerful yeah that's yeah. very well put yeah i want to wrap up with two more questions before well i have several more questions actually so i take that back <laughs> i noted in the intro that you went to the University of Chicago. So this is a great university here in the United States. And I'm curious about your personal path. Like, were you someone who was uber driven, focused on outcomes, goal achievement, uh, obsessed even? I I was going to say focused, but I used that word already. So I'm going even further with obsessed. I'm someone who went to a highly, you know, rated university and it focused me like, and I was in sort of, I was working on the competitive plane, not that I thought that I was competing, but like I was competing with myself all the time. And it's taken me, there, there's some value in that. I learned work ethic. I learned, you know, how to study. I learned how to, you know, create in a certain way, but I didn't have a sense of at all, at all a sense of being present. I had a sense of being on a treadmill mm -hmm. and I'm curious about what your, your experience of that was and how it might've translated into where you are now. Yeah, no, I definitely didn't have, um, to your question back then, um, that sense of being present that came much later and it wasn't necessarily the school that made me this overachieving goal-driven person. I was always like that even beforehand. Yeah. It just happened to be the environment that I picked and that just sort of facilitated it even more. But that still describes me to this day, except now I have this fortunate ability to be able to recognize when it's taking over my life and preventing me from living a life of joy and presence that I didn't have before. And I think what happened there is that I was fortunate in my path in life that I was never scared to try anything new. Like I didn't have a traditional path. Like in my mind, I had started off wanting to be a doctor, but then that changed and I went into consulting right after school. And after consulting, you know, I went, I chugged it all and I, I chucked it all and I went to culinary school because it's something I'd always wanted to do. And then from there, I like merged 
my backgrounds of consulting and cooking to start my own event planning company. So, and then from there, like, then I took a break with the kids and then I went into wellness right after um, I had most of the kids or half of the kids. And I decided I wanted to go back to work because it was just always something inside me that I needed to do something to help, you know, other people. And that it was that career when I was consulting in wellness that I realized this missing piece of my own life, which was not the physical, the nutritional piece that I had always been um, a big piece of my life. But what I had never addressed was this mental, the mental and emotional wellness of my of my life. And so it just so happened that that's what I was trying to consult on for this company that led me onto this personal path for myself and eventually into this new chapter of my life. But like throughout all of that, I've never been scared to just dive in. I think that has always been for all the careers that I've had, that has just been like a really positive thing for myself. You know, I don't hold back. Um, I may hold back in other ways and I may have other limitations, but that just trying new things and not being scared to do so and just having this optimistic perspective of what can happen from it uh, has always been one of my strong points. Um, and and so I've been fortunate to be able to land upon this part of my life at the moment that I have this yeah. mental emotional awareness. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. I call it the the breadcrumbs of desire. And like we just follow these breadcrumbs. We don't know where they're taking us, but we we are doing the next thing that's calling us forward. And sometimes it's a windy road, but eventually you get to that place where you're like, ah, this is it. So it sounds like you've been a bit of a, a serial entrepreneur and serial, um, you know, career person, which I love because it's it's broadened your experience. So that's fantastic. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Okay. One more. Uh, well, I, should, I have more than one question still, so I'm <laughs> scratching that. Multitasking. I have noticed that what I thought I was really good at, which was multitasking, and really it's just shifting your awareness very, very quickly that I'm really not, I, well, I might be competent at it, but I don't love it. It doesn't mm -hmm. make me feel good. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel scattered and stretched too thin. And when I'm, I'm super honest, it makes me feel frustrated and irritated. Like there's, it's not like so much that I'm going to lose my, my cool, but there's like an undercurrent of discontent in that fast kind of context switching. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you deal with that when you have seven kids right. ranging from two to 16? Okay. Cause I see you, if you're just listening to the audio, she's nodding her head in agreement, like, yep, yep, yep. She gets this, she gets this. Um, but there's a lot of context switching with kids. Right. And, mm -hmm. and, and for those of you who don't have kids, but have been fascinated by this conversation, you've been listening. I don't have kids either, but I have a business that I'm running and there's a thousand and one things that I need to sort of context switch on. And I have a four footed child named Colton, who's a little furball and I have a man and right. Like, like there, there are many things like for everyone in this world that draw our attention and need our attention. And so handing the mic back to you, like, how do you handle that context shifting and, and not letting it pull you out of your good, juicy, yummy state? Yeah, no, it is a really important topic, which is why I included it in my book, The Mindfulness Journal for Parents, because parents just are obsessively trying to multitask in order to to win the game of life every day. And you don't, like you said, you don't even have to be a parent. Like if you're juggling a career, you are end up feel like you're, you have to multitask in order to cross everything off your list. But what I found and what I you know like to talk about a lot is that um, what you noticed, which is that you start to feel scattered. It doesn't feel good. Perhaps even start to notice that it's slowing you down. You're not accomplishing things as quickly as you would have if you were doing it one by one. So this really, again, 
it's important to have that awareness because if you didn't, you wouldn't notice when you're falling into the trappings of multitasking, right? But if you start to really practice your awareness and all those different ways that we mentioned, then in these moments where you're trying to like speak to someone, be on a meeting, write up an email, you'll notice like, whoa, I need to stop because I'm not present with any of these things. Nothing is getting done to the best of my ability. Like I may even walk away from this moment and not even remember a single thing that I did, like what I emailed, who I spoke to or what I spoke to them about. And that's not really the goal. And so when I start to notice, because you know, it's just sort of habitual, it just happens. You're trying to get ahead. And, but when I notice, that I'm not listening or that I noticed that I automatically tried to do two things at once on my computer, I'll stop myself and I'll remind myself, this is not going to get me anywhere faster than if I can just focus on this one thing. Again, back to that self-talk, back to that usage of awareness to really hit that pause button to cause that interrupt Mm -hmm. in what you're autopiling, your, you know, your autopilot mode to be able to focus on one thing at a time. Right. Yeah. And to get out of that that spin and cycle of frustration um, and like really reduce productivity. Stop is such a powerful word, you know, especially when it's used with grace, right? With love, with kindness, not as a not as a stick, right? But just as a, a, a pattern interrupt to just say, oh, wait, 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 wait. This is not how I choose to live. I can do it differently. And I will, I will admit that that took me, uh, and I'm still in the journey on this, that, that, um, that was a self-image identity issue for me because I was brought up to be someone who could jump and, you know, juggle a lot of things and do a lot and, and needing to sort of pay attention to everything. That was the household that I, that the upbringing that I grew up in. And I prided myself on that. I had turned that into a point of pride. Like this is a, this is a, a trait that's amazing until I realized, I mean, not throwing the ba- baby out with the bathwater, like there's, there's um, value to it. But now, if I'm needing to handle a lot of things and I can do it with presence, it's like everything slows down. It's like a movie in slow-mo where you're like, okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. You, you're moving very quickly. You know you're moving very quickly, but it feels graceful, right? That like it's just, it's it's easy versus what I used to do was like kind of a panic stricken version of that kind of jumpy. So anyone who's relating is feeling like they relate to this, just know that use some of Josephine's techniques, that, that moment of like awareness. Oh, I don't feel good right now. I'm jumpy. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, what if I stopped and just focused on this one thing right now fully and be short, just do that. I love that. Okay, yeah, And that slow motion, that's totally what happens. It really just feels like now all of a sudden things are falling into place and there's no rush and that you're able to do it. And then just real quickly back to your question originally about how do I do this as a parent? Like I model it with my words. You know, I have the seven kids constantly, two, at least two people are asking me for something. It's always mommy, mommy, this. I will like just say out loud, I am just one person. I'm doing this thing with this child, I will get back to you when I'm done with it. And I think it's really important to use those words. I mean, even with whether it's like with your partner or with your employees, whatever, you're just modeling that this is the behavior that will allow me to succeed and allow me to be present with you, not me trying to do all of this stuff at the same time for all of you. And I'm so not perfect in this arena. It's a, it's a work in progress for sure. So before I ask my, my final question, can you share with people where they can find out more about your work and um, getting in touch with you? 
Uh, my website is jatlurie.com. So that's J-A-T-L-U-R-I.com. You can find me on Instagram at Josephine R. Atlery. I'm always putting up um, daily sort of inspirations and intentions, affirmations, things like that. I do have a podcast called Responding to Life, Talking Health, Fertility, and Parenthood. So that's on all major podcasts. Um, and then I have two books. One is called The Mindfulness Journal for Parents and then Five Minute Mindfulness for Pregnancy, both available on Amazon. I love it. Fantastic. Okay. So my final question for you, Josephine, is what do you love about yourself? You know what? I touched upon it already briefly when I was talking about all the different career changes that I had. And I try to talk about this a lot, especially with my kiddos, is this um, ability to be, to have a healthy amount of optimism and courageousness you know, because we can all be fearful of things and it's healthy to have that, but to have the courage to try different things because you never know what lies ahead when you allow yourself to um, break through these limiting beliefs that we have, uh, these boundaries that we set for ourselves. And so for me, I think that has always been my greatest strength, which has led me up to this point, which has allowed me to have all of the kids that I've had is that I ability to pair optimism with strength and courage. That is what I love about myself. Thank you for asking that. You're welcome. I love that. I love courage as an answer because to me, tell me if you agree here, Josephine, like, I don't think there's such a thing as fearlessness. I think there's courage, right? It's not that the goal is to live without fear. Every time we're growing, we're going to be on that edge, right? You can recognize it and have a a track record that you can turn to and know what it is and be like, oh, I'm not going to respond as intensely as when I like, no, things in my business don't, don't flip me out the way they did 10 years ago, right? I have grown, I've got capacity, all of that. But whenever you're going for something really big, there's always going to be a little uncertainty there. And like, can you have courage? Like, I, I think that's a, it, it's not about not having the fear. It's about having the courage. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. I just want to reflect back that you shared some really incredibly valuable tips. None of them are complicated. None of them take that much time. And that's the beauty of the work that you do, that it's simple, it's direct, it's about awareness and coming back to the present. And I encourage everyone to check out her work and then also pull one or two of the mindfulness, present awareness tips that she brought to the the conversation and start implementing them in your own life. So thank you so much for being here, Josephine. Thank you so much for the opportunity. This is such a great conversation. 